Still Kirby. Lovely check. Kirby! Welcome to another episode of Fran Kirby's Fight Club, your one-stop listen for all things Chelsea FCW, and of course, the legend that is Fran Kirby. I am merely one of your hosts, which is thankful that you don't have to just listen to my voice. Mariam is here with me to talk about the match with Arsenal. How are you doing, Mariam? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I would have done better if we'd come away with a win today, but you know. <laughs> We're going to start off on a positive note, though. We are. <laughs> well, for me. <laughs> So as, as you mentioned, the result today was was interesting, and we, we kind of have a bit to talk about. Uh, it was a 1-1 draw with Arsenal. Both goals came after the 85th minute. We'll get into those more, but let's look back. Before the match happened, we did, as we usually do, uh, have our predictions. Miriam, what did you predict? I was so confident last week when I said that we would win 3-2. That they would, to be fair, I said that Medina would, would score, which, I mean, she was involved in the goal. So you really want to stretch and reach. There's that. I said that they'd score, and, you know, they'd score twice. We'd come back and score three goals and it'd be epic. And it would be a match for the ages. And it was just the absolute opposite of that. So, yeah, I don't think anybody would call this a match for the ages. Um and I would have preferred to see one of those, but we saw what we saw. Uh, the good news is we did not lose. Um, we we drew. It was 1-1. I did predict, I believe, a 2-2 draw. So I think I get, uh, do I get a point, a half point? How does that work? It's interesting because it, it was a draw, but you didn't get it right. So I feel like technically... <laughs> It's not a full point. It's like maybe three quarters or half. Okay. I'm I'm leaning more towards three quarters because I need all the points I can get. So uh, maybe whoever's keeping score out there, uh, go ahead and give me three quarters of a point for a right, right result, wrong score. How about that? All right. Uh, so in the match, as we mentioned, uh, the, there were only two goals. Arsenal scored first in the 86th minute. It was Beth Mead. Uh, it was unfortunately Viv Miedema who had a had a frustrating day uh, apart from this uh, and it really came after uh, Millie Bright was a little injured and we'll talk about that later uh, talk about how that sequence went and then Chelsea ended up equalizing well I guess Chelsea didn't really equalize <laughs> Arsenal equalized on themselves uh, via a deflection from Wobin Moy their uh, center back did a little sliding challenge as Pernell Harder was kicking the ball in for a cross on the baseline. Really weird spin on the ball, looped up over Zinsberger and into the side netting. Very hilarious way for Arsenal to lose uh, three points, but they did, and Chelsea got one point uh, from the contest. So uh, before we get into breaking down everything uh, from the front to the back, like we always do, let's take a look at one thing that was cool and one or one thing that sucked. Uh, this is something we always do, kind of because there are some things in the in matches that tend to get lost in just the results and talking about specific plays and we want to make sure we're noticing them so I'm giving a shout out either something that was really cool or something that we didn't like so Miriam what was your one thing that was cool or one thing that sucked I am going to go for one thing that kind of sucked and it's what you mentioned before <laughs> Medima did have a very sort of sucky game if you will but the one time she really played a big part was the one time it really hurt us and that was in the run up to the goal she had that run down the left flank and um you know the defender I can't remember who it was was completely caught on the wrong side of her gave her the the instep sort of to run through and put that cross in which led led to the goal eventually from from Mead and I think that it's just really frustrating that we had the return of that pullback issue that we spoke about so regularly at the start of um, the start of the season 
So just that really was just it was frustrating, and and I'm sure it was frustrating for Emma Hayes also to see it happen again. Yeah, we'll get into all that unfortunateness. Uh, my cool thing actually was that at one point during the match, we had on the pitch for a not insignificant number of minutes, Sam Kerr, Beth England, Pernilla Harder. Aaron Cuthbert and Ji Soyun on the pitch at the same time. That was really cool to see and very interesting in terms of where everybody was playing and how they are playing together. We'll talk about, you know, a little bit more about uh, the impact of that wasn't as great as we would have hoped, but it was still interesting to see. This is kind of the, I believe this is the second match in a row where uh, via substitution, uh, Emma Hayes has put on Sam Kerr, Pernilla Harder, and Bethany England at the same time. So it seems like she's getting a little bit more comfortable in playing those three together for significant chunks of time. It's just a matter of time before they start figuring out how to actually play together uh, and how to play together very well, if it's even possible. Uh, something we may talk about a little bit later. So let's go ahead and talk about the match from the back to the front. Uh, as we do, we start with the back line, which was absolutely excellent. Uh, I thought they did a fantastic job. Um, I, I will note that <laughs> there was some intervention that could have been possibly from me <laughs> on Twitter. I noted that uh, in one phase of play, Millie Bright was really just kind of stalking Miedema and kind of luring, drawing her, making making it seem like she had space. And then as soon as an Arsenal player would pass the ball to her, Bright would pounce and get in between her and the ball and completely either make the interception or lay the ball spin to a teammate. Uh, and and Miedema was, was visibly frustrated in the sequence that I noted because um, Bright did it to her twice in I think the span of about maybe 15 to 20 seconds. And she was really frustrated by it. And the uh, Barclays FAWSL account clipped it and posted video of it. And I was really happy that they did so to give a shout out to Millie Bright for her good defending. However, she is also at fault for the goal. And well, I say she's at fault, but it's also very likely that her injury was equally at fault or even more at fault because it seemed like that she didn't move like she was moving in the in the early on in the match. Did you see it the same way, the way the goal unfolded? Yeah, it was clear that that from the injury, there just sort of was a mismatch at the back. Medima had free reign to really run down that flank and, you know, she had the opportunity to put in crosses and to drive and, and push and there was so much space there really for her. And it was it was that goal that you mentioned where the defender was caught on the wrong side and she had all the time in the world to play that pass. And um, as I said before, it's, a, it's really frustrating because those were the areas in which we had issues early on the season. And it seemed as if we were kind of getting to a point where, you know, we'd, we'd kind of gotten over them. But here in a game that that we knew would be tough and we knew we'd be playing against one of the league's best strikers and it just seems to be surfaced. Yeah, and it's a little harsh, I think, on on Millie Bright because she had done such an excellent job up until then. And I think the fullbacks, uh, particularly Mielda on that on that right side, really kind of thought that Millie Bright can handle Miedema without too much intervention or too much yeah, help for her. It was quite a narrow formation. And like you said, yeah. there were no, there were no wingbacks or fullbacks who were providing support alongside Millie Bright as you would normally see on the other side of the midfield so it was it was almost like you know that she was left on her own to deal with that yeah and she definitely was and I think that they just either there was not communication that the injury was was intense enough to where they were going to have to play more conservatively in the back line but you know uh, it was it may be on Millie Bright for for feeling like she was all right she was going to be able to tough it out I don't know if a substitution should have been made because it's hard to tell how injured a player is particularly when they give you the thumbs up and say they're good to go yeah, uh, she did get her 
Yeah, she did get her ankle rewrapped. She got her thigh wrapped. Uh, I think she had uh, the doctor, uh, the physio that came on was also checking her knee. So there was definitely a, something going on with one of her legs. It was not, that was not feeling right. And, you know, it, it, it was, you know, Arsenal did what you're supposed to do. When you see a defender struggling, you go right at them. And Miedema ended up getting the ball in the perfect position. There wasn't any cover there from the fullback. And so it was just a 1v1 battle. And she just knocked the ball by her and ran by her in a way that she does not do to a fully fit uh, and healthy uh, Millie Bright because she didn't do it all game and she hadn't done it in I don't know how many matches against <laughs> Millie Bright in that back line for Chelsea. So it was really unfortunate that that's what led to the goal. But as soon as you saw Millie Bright hobbling, you kind of thought, mm, this is really bad news. And it's like you say, I mean, it's almost perhaps interesting to think that if if you see a player or if you see one of your fellow players clearly struggling, and I'm sure it was quite clear to other players, and then it's, it's, it's an opportunity to actually go and help that player out. And it's interesting to think, why didn't they have that? presence to help out alongside her the fullbacks are meant to be there for that particular reason so it was just it was that concept of just not executing the game plan properly and, and in the aftermath of that game it was Emma Hayes said the exact thing she said that the things they had planned ahead before the game of how to deal with that and maybe even at half time she said that they just didn't they weren't able to to execute that and we saw that in the back line really yeah and that was really an unfortunate thing to see because I think that at the at at some point if you know if Chelsea had a lead or if the match you know if, if we had you know equal both scored a goal by that time or something or both sides would have scored a goal by that time there's a possibility that you know the back line is triggered to be a little bit more conservative but because it was still nil nil uh, because we were still looking for that goal to win I think the fullbacks just remained pushed up high and they didn't get the signal uh, from the bench to to play more conservative because of Bright's injury I think we just continued on playing the way we play and we didn't make any adjustment for it and there really wasn't a lot of time to adjust for it to be honest I don't remember the exact minute that Millie Bright went down but it wasn't too far away from the goal like Arsenal pounced on that really quickly uh, and reacted to a lot quicker than Chelsea did, which which really, in the end, was what led to the creation of the goal. I do want to give a shout out real quick, though, to Magda Erickson because she played an impressive game. She was three for four on her tackles and 10 of 11 uh, with her duels. She was really she was really a rock. She was really difficult to get by. She also added three clearances uh, in the game against Arsenal. So yeah, she had a monster game, as did Millie Bright until her knee injury, which was highly unfortunate. So and um, let's sorry, just oh. to add in there. Speaking of shout outs, I think we should also applaud Berger because she did make that save uh, from quite a way out. I think it was Ford who shot and it was almost like a fingertip save that to get the ball onto the bar. Um so that was one of those moments where they could have actually gone up much earlier than they actually did. So we've got to applaud Berger as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great one. And especially that shot was so weird because it hit the bar twice. <laughs> it hit the top of the bar, it bounced up into the air and then as it came down it didn't really move or drift anyway it came down and bounced off the bar again so Berger had to be like really 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 intense and really make sure that she paid attention uh to where the flight of the ball was going and I've just I don't know if I've never seen that uh in a soccer match before uh so I'm very I was I was shocked that it didn't spin out of play I was shocked that it didn't come back into play in any significant way where Berger could get her hands on it I've never seen a shot hit the top of the bar hit the bar pop up and hit the bar again um that was that was kind of a crazy thing and you start thinking that okay that was a great save by Berger we didn't get beaten by either bounce uh maybe there's some good fortune there 
wasn't to be. <laughs> All right, let's move on and talk about the midfield because we had a repeat of the midfield. The loopholes angle uh, midfield pivot was there again. Uh, we had G, of course, in her typical roaming kind of shadow striker slash maybe uh, central attacking midfielder role in there, but it was mostly loopholes and angle. And the weird, the, the interesting thing for me came in after halftime, Sam Kerr was brought on in place of Melanie Loopholes. So before that happened, though, we had a whole 45 minutes. How did you think the angles, uh, the angle loopholes midfield pivot worked uh, against Arsenal this time? I think it was pretty effective in the fact that it definitely worked in keeping Arsenal's midfielders at bay. And we obviously know how powerful Arsenal's midfielders can be. Um, but at the same time, it didn't really allow for much creativity. And G in that role slightly further up. I feel like she works best when she's working next to Kirby. Not having Kirby there made it quite difficult for her to, to cultivate those chances and press quite high up. So it definitely sort of put the, the onus on both harder and to further up Beth England to come back around and create those chances. And again, that channel of attack from midfield to, to up to up front was just sort of really uh, disjointed, I think. That's what it looked like. And it made it quite hard to create chances, but also quite hard to, to have that playmaking aspect to the game. Yeah, I agree. I think that defensively, um, the loopholes angle pivot worked very well against Arsenal. They were frustrated and really the match was played for the first 45 minutes. It was just played in maybe the middle third of the pitch. There wasn't a whole lot that was happening in either final third. And so you just had a lot of, you know, uh, defending and turnovers and then you go the other way and you kind of run into, you know, a block or somebody would make an interception uh, and then the ball would turn over and head the other way, but it never really got too far. Neither team was able to create anything. And I think actually at halftime, uh, the halftime stats read that there were zero shots on target and very few shots. I think Chelsea had three. Um, just before the half, as we mentioned, uh, Ford had that shot that hit the bar twice, but I think that was really it in, in terms of the chances. <clears throat> so I do think that in the first half, it worked very, very well defensively. And even when you, especially when you think of the fact that G doesn't come down too often when we play that, uh, you know, a midfield three, it kind of leaves it, a, leaves it for Engle and loopholes to do a lot of the work. And so Engle and loopholes are really against a midfield three of Walty, Roard, and Little. Kim Little was back and Jill Roard was back. Those are two players we hadn't faced versus Arsenal yet this season. And so it was really good to see um, loopholes and Engle deal with those two players and really play them to a stalemate and midfield it was just like you mentioned linking from midfield to attack that became a little bit difficult and I do think that unfortunately it, it was it was really G who kind of had an a yeah. Uh, um, not her best game, I'll say. It was difficult for her to get on the ball. It was difficult for her to pick her passes. Um, and when she would dribble and do some of her turns, you know, Arsenal were crowding her out. So you did see as a result of that, Bethany England and Pernilla Harder coming down a little bit more to try to get on the ball. But then that left the back line with an easier job to do because they could just focus on marking one of the strikers. So it just kind of became a, a, a muck kind of uh, match in the midfield, particularly in the first half. It was, it was not... Uh, not what we're used to seeing uh, versus Arsenal. And I think it's um, it's also key to mention the fact that I know um, we were kind of speaking before about how we have faced Arsenal without Van Kirby before, um, but today it just seemed like she was a difference. She was the playmaker we needed. She was the one to be pressing, making tackles that we needed. She was the one who probably would have driven at their, their defence. And I think also her not being there had quite the effect on G because she almost uh, plays much better when she's working next to Fan because Fan is the one who kind of instigates those attacks and it's easy to follow that when you are playing next to her. I think G had a different responsibility today and um, the likes of Harder and Luke Bolton 
singles, they don't kind of have that pressing, driving, attacking role in the sense where she's kind of different to them. She plays in between the lines. I think maybe she was on for a little bit too long. And I also think that she struggled to to be in that role by herself. And it's just a, it's just an example actually of, of of a game that doesn't suit her style. It's not so much about her her form or her ability. It's about um, making sure that she she when she's playing that she's playing in a way that's suitable for her because it's in this game like this and and it's just difficult to to play through the lines really yeah and I also wanted to to note that it was a very like I would like to know and we'll never know but I would like to know exactly what Emma Hayes's game plan was going into this match because as you mentioned uh earlier you know you did it off pod I believe you mentioned it on pod as well uh Emma Hayes was very frustrated and seemed to, to mention multiple times that the game plan was not followed and I would like to know what that game plan was because typically what we've done against Arsenal when we played them and had a lot of success versus them we have early success we jump on them we flood their back line with numbers and movement and attack we get shots off we get goals it puts them on the back foot they're never able to settle into their passing game because they're worried that one mistake will lead to another shot on goal and they just play timid the rest of the time and then by the second half or at least halfway through the by perhaps the hour mark we can just kind of settle down play conservatively ride the rest of the minutes out because we've got a two goal or three goal lead and we don't really have to worry about them coming back too much Uh, we don't give them too much time we just kind of suffocate them in midfield and it seemed like with this midfield it was set up to do the same thing you know we still even though um, and we'll talk about the attack in a second but even though Sam Kerr was on the bench you still had Pernilla Harder out there you still had Bethany England you still had G Soyun and you still had Aaron Cuthbert that's a lot of attacking talent and Melanie Loopholes as we've seen she's already scored a couple goals this season and she won the um and she what has she won a penalty and I believe that she also led to Bethany England's goal in the last match against Everton when she got into the box had a nice little clever turn and rolled the ball to Bethany England for a goal um I think that she can she's also an attacking option that can kind of float around but we didn't see her get forward too often unless she was pressing we never saw her get forward in an attacking sense and it would just seem like something needed to change we needed an extra player somewhere in order to do us to do a similar thing as we've done in the past against Arsenal and we just never did it in the first half and I believe that's why she brought on Sam Kerr because she kind of looked at it and said okay we're not carving out any chances right now so I'm going to sacrifice a midfielder for uh, for an attacker and we'll see what happens definitely changed the match but it also made us quite uh, imbalanced. And actually, before we talk about the attack, I want to ask you a quick question because at halftime, as I mentioned, she made that sub to bring on Sam Kerr. Do you think she took off the wrong midfielder? You know, I'm I'm convinced that she left on Ingles just just in case there was a repeat of any more wonder strikes <laughs> to level things up. Uh, but no, I've, I've, it's interesting because we've seen Lipots play that role by herself a few times this season, and she's been absolutely a natural in that role. I feel like um, Ingles sometimes struggles in playing that because her her sort of connection with the players in front of her isn't as sharp as Lipots is. Lipots, who we've known, has has kind of reveled in that role when she's played by Munich. She she's very sharp and aware she's able to pull passes as well as um, nullify counter-attacks. I just felt like um, maybe keeping Ingles on was a bit of a mental move, a bit of a Jose Mourinho-esque tactic. 
Or maybe not, you know, maybe that's just me, but I do feel like um, maybe keeping on Lupots would have been a better option, especially considering that Arsenal's um, midfield and front three are kind of interchangeable. They all possess the same levels of talent and attack. It's just as dangerous. And we could have we could have done with, I think, a player like Lupots, which probably would have helped G out a little bit more because I feel like any sort of mistakes that, that funnel down towards Lupots from the players above it, she's able to absorb that and, and re-push sort of it back out quite quickly. So, you know, we'll never actually know if it was the wrong decision but I do feel like maybe having angles on wasn't wasn't the best fit for the rest of the game yeah and I do wonder you know and this is you know I'll, I'll, people the people will certainly have comments about what I'm about to say and and it honestly would have been a bit too harsh to do at halftime I don't necessarily think it would have been the right move but I think it would have been an interesting move because you could have continued to keep the midfield which is working so well uh, neutralizing Kim Little Jill Roard and Balti, I think you had a really good option and maybe a clever, maybe maybe would have been cheeky, maybe a little too cheeky to do, but I would have been interested in seeing it, is putting on Kerr for G and you move harder into that G role, especially because G was staying up so high. And if that's going to be the case, I think Harder can definitely play in those spaces and stay up that high. And I also think that she possesses a little bit more mobility uh, and and can, can once you get the ball kind of through Arsenal's midfield, you really need to turn and be able to run at them uh, and not have to worry about a player catching you from behind and making you turn or taking the ball off of you or stopping your momentum going forward. So I think that is probably would have been much too harsh, I think, on, on G to take her off at halftime. But I could have also seen it because there, we were missing that link. Uh, yeah, that's, so that's what I was gonna say. If if Fada was playing in that role, the channel of attack from from Ingle or Lupoltz through to Sam Kerr and Beth England would have just been so much more seamless. Yeah, I think so. And I and I am still kind of waiting to see that actually happen in a match. I don't know if it will. Uh, it seems like when Harder does play with with Kerr and England, they kind of spread out along the the front line uh, and really interchange a lot, which actually is a good transition to talk about the attack. Um, we had a surprise. Bethany England must have trained very well on Wednesday because she earned herself a start <laughs> alongside Pernilla Harder. Uh, it was Sam Kerr, as we've mentioned a few times, on the bench. And early on in the match, Bethany England does what was doing what Bethany England does. She was very active, particularly defensively. I remember a few, a couple times when she ran uh, basically into her own box and was able to get interceptions, get in the way of Arsenal trying to build any attacks. And she was just being energetic and getting herself in the way while also getting back in position to help out on any counter that may happen happen. Now, unfortunately, because the game, you know, as we mentioned after that, it kind of got bogged down in midfield. There weren't too many chances that came from that, but she did have a kind of a half chance header. Um, it was a nice ball, but she was in, she was a, a bit of a, she was a bit out from goal, a little bit too far away from goal to be able to generate the power necessary, necessary and she didn't direct it on goal. I'm not sure had she directed it on goal, if uh, Zinsberger wouldn't have been able to get to it because it wouldn't have had a whole lot of power. It probably would have, you know, floated and maybe bounced right on the line or right into the corner. Uh, but I still think Zinsberger is probably good enough to push that out um, in the best case scenario. Uh, but then she also had a really clear chance, which was a cutback where she had to hit it first time and she completely scuffed it. And that was really sad to see because it was like you, you kind of saw her 
notice that this is about to happen. And if she gets any power on it and, and it's on target, that's a guaranteed goal because all the Arsenal players are having to react and they won't be able to get in the way in time or do anything about it. Um, so that was a little disappointing to see from Beth. Uh, Pernilla Harder probably had the best chance of the game. The ball was rolling uh, around. It rolled right to her in the middle. I think it was, I think it was even in front of the penalty spot. Uh, it was just yards from goal. She had a clear shot to side foot it into the coin to the side netting. Uh, but she wound up and it looked like she was trying to go across goal with it. And what that did is it allowed the players who were kind of in panic mode defending, uh, I think it was McCabe who got her her foot on it, her leg on it and deflected it out. So it never really reached the goal or reached Zinsberger. But if she would have tucked it in that corner or aimed for that corner, that would have been a guaranteed goal because nobody was there and it was a free shot from just yards out. Yeah, it's another one of those kind of questions around the reliability of our attacking players and whether or not we can we can actually have players in attacking positions who are able to convert and finish chances that really there's no other excuse for it and this is just one of those opportunities why didn't harder go to near post why was she going across why you know why has sam kerr been playing the way sam kerr has and i and i guess some people will think it's a little bit harsh but we've had so many opportunities really in games to score goals and we're just not kind of finishing and this was not a problem we had last season it, it was almost the opposite last season we we had all our attacking players on in each game and we'd be scoring game after game so what do you think it really is and i mean i guess we've kind of spoken about this before yeah i don't really know what it is i mean the hard the the easy thing to do or i guess the 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 one thing that we can do is is maybe concern our, or look at it possibly being you called it earlier this season the curse k-e-r-r-s-e um i i honestly think that's really that's the only example that I, that's like the only answer i have i really do not know and do not understand what is actually happening with our lack of goal scoring we have the players we definitely have the talent and we are even getting the chances we're just not being clinical and it's not even a, mat- a matter honestly of being extremely clinical it's just for some reason the goals are not coming and i i it's kind of like at this point it's a thing and it's it's worth looking into and we're gonna have to do a lot more research into it to try to come up with some answers but something just isn't working as far as putting the ball in the back of the net and it is very frustrating especially as you mentioned last season it was when i think what 47 or 48 goals in 15 matches is what we ended up having and it was just like we way outperformed our xg uh, expected goals and this season i really i'd be surprised if we're even dead even with it we have so many chances and we very very rarely get the goals from them. And even when we do get them, it's almost like we don't, you know, I think we we over we definitely overperformed our XG against Everton because that was not necessarily a 4-1 match yeah. uh, the way that it went. But that was a rarity. That was almost an anomaly. The rest of the season has not been like that. And it's kind of been a little frustrating uh, to watch. And that's the one thing you would expect this this Chelsea team to not have to, to not struggle with. You know, you put Sam Kerr with Bethany England, Pernilla Harder and Jisoo Yoon and Aaron Cuthbert and Fran Kirby. And you think, OK. I even left off Guru Wrighton. I mean, you get all those players and you think, okay, they're going to combine and they're going to score goals. The question is, are they going to be able to defend? Well, the defense is doing all right. They're actually holding up a lot better. And thankfully they're holding up a lot better than we, than we initially expected. You know, there, there are a couple flaws, but when it comes down to scoring goals, we, we're just not getting the output that we're used to. Uh, I suppose before this season, everyone kind of hyped it up a little bit. It was almost like, wow, this is a season where Chelsea's attack is just going to be 2.0, especially 
when we found out that we were signing harder as well. And um, I remember seeing it all over Twitter and social media. People were like, you know, now that harder is here, it's just going to be, there aren't going to be many teams that are going to be able to stop them from scoring heaps of goals. And to a certain extent, yes, we have been dominant in games. Our attack has been dominant. But like you said, the goals aren't forthcoming. And, and the reasons for that are still pretty much in the wind. I suppose the only thing we can think of is that someone has done some kind of black magic, some kind of curse really upon us, um, demonic possession levels of, of, of magic. And that can really be the only reason because, like you said, the opportunities are there, the goals, the chances, players, the talent, injuries, thank God, haven't been as bad aside from the recent Fran Kirby one. It's it's a mystery. It definitely is. And actually, too, since I since you were talking, I pulled up uh, the stats of, of being able to check out our XG. So let me double check here and see. Yeah. So last year, our last season, obviously, it was a season that was cut short. We played 15 matches. We scored 47 goals. Our XG was 38. So we outperformed our XG by nine goals. That's really good. And, and, and this season has not quite been the same. Our expected goals are 16.4, and this does not include today's uh, numbers, uh, the numbers from the Arsenal match, but leading up to this match, we have 18 goals. And so that's really outperforming it by about a goal and a half. And I think that number is going to go down because of how we scored. And even, you know, the own goal obviously won't <laughs> count uh, for us. So it's in the chances that we had. And especially we didn't even talk about Sam Kerr's chip. Uh, she had a chance to win the match uh, with the chip. She was sent clean on through on goal. It was a nice ball over the top. The bounce got over the defender and lined up perfectly for Sam Kerr to be able to get a first time shot on it. She could have elected to round the keeper probably. And I was thinking if that was Bethany England, she definitely would have done a touch around the keeper, either to try to draw the penalty or to get those a classic Beth England goal where she runs by the keeper and uh, knocks it into an empty net. That didn't happen. But it wasn't far off from Kerr. This is this is this is part of the curse thing that I think that there must be something else going on. There is something demonic. There is something evil. There is something supernatural. Because when she hit it, the ball looked like it was online for yeah. I, when a I saw it while. afterwards, and I did, hadn't seen the result, I was celebrating. Like you said, the, tra- <laughs> the trajectory going in, I was like, that's going right. That's like snug right underneath the bar. Yeah, and it looked perfect. Up, I was like, no, that's glitch in the matrix. <laughs> Yeah, it looked perfect. I think I was talking to somebody on Twitter and I said, it looks like the ball just completely changed in its in its like properties and became like, it just lost all of its weight, like all of its mass and became like a paper bag and just got blown to the side of the post. It didn't look like that was ever, that was going to happen given how well it looked lined up until the very sec- last second where it just drifted wide of the post. I don't know how that happened, but I, I'm with you. I'm starting to, to believe in the supernatural things and whatever we need to do to counter it uh, we need to figure it out because you know even though most most teams you know this season are kind of playing level with their xg particularly the the big teams you know manchester united has 15.8 they've scored 17 goals manchester city 19 uh, expected goals they have scored 17 but we look at arsenal they're doing what we did last season they have 16.8 uh, expecting goals that's just 0.4 more than chelsea had and this is prior again this is prior to, to to the match against arsenal most recently but their goal total for the season is 29 and that's chelsea territory normally we score that number of goals uh even when it looks like we we shouldn't be scoring that number of goals uh when if you if you read into xg and if you look at those numbers so i don't know how to turn that around um i think just getting more shots overall will help um i really thought that 
you know, having the additional attacking players would help. But for some reason, uh, we just haven't been able to be consistent and put it together. I do think that missing Fran Kirby is a big deal, especially because she has been so good this season. But we have faced Arsenal last year without Fran Kirby a couple of times, and none of the matches looked like this one. Yeah, it's frustrating, especially after the performance we had against Everton. I felt like, um, I thought that 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 game was going to be tough, but we dominated and we were clear-cut with our chances, and it just kind of all seemed quite seamless. But then we play Arsenal, and even though we've had good form against Arsenal recently in the Continental Cup, um, it's just, you know, the game plan and the way we were approaching the game was just completely off with how we would have normally done it and that clash ultimately is what cost us I think um, alongside a few other factors three points yeah I completely agree and it will be interesting to see what happens and and although I still must say I say all of this and I'm disappointed that we didn't beat Arsenal because we had been doing so well against them and this match looked interesting and even though I'm still curious about what the game plan was and how it didn't work out the goal that we ended up, that counted for us was hilarious it was really funny especially because Arsenal was so excited they thought they were finally going to break the streak against us and get a win and then they conceded in that way which was really really funny uh and what that does is that guarantees that the last time arsenal will have beaten us will be 2018 and that is a streak that is guaranteed to carry into 2021 because we don't play them again until february of 2021 so that is going on three years without arsenal beating us that is awesome and it's funny and even though this match was frustrating i think the way that we equalized and the goal that we got and the fact that arsenal still can't find a way to beat us even when they play better uh, and score a much better goal than us and we don't even score a goal (laughs) that wasn't even our goal uh, I think we can we can be a little cheeky and we can smile a little bit and be happy of the fact that Arsenal is going to have to do so much more to beat us uh, because they did all they could this time and it still didn't work out. So that's the kind of stuff you want to see against a rival because it's just funny. It just is funny. The funny thing <laughs> I saw was when I was watching the goal and um, when it went in, like the six or seven players in the box, they just collectively shoulder drop and just look up to the sky and just think, why? Why? They thought they had in the bag and it came from one of their own players. It's the best and thing. it was so weird. I mean, there that, you know, I talked about the weirdness of, of Sam Kerr's chip. I think this probably is one of those things that just, I, I guess the good fortune from this uh, kind of work, like I, I guess karma works that quickly, right? We got good fortune from this own goal because that just looped up, spun in such a way that it went over the goalkeeper, didn't hit the bar, but tucked itself into the side netting uh, afterwards. That's some crazy physics. I don't even know how that happened. But then karma reversed it and pushed Sam Kerr's chip wide. So I guess ultimately it's all fair. It's all fair, but Arsenal still can't beat us, and that's great, and it's a good feeling. And London may not be as blue, but it's still blue. So we still we are still unbeaten, and they still have to do a lot more, and they will remain unbeaten until, at the very least, 2021, which I'm sure we will have a better game plan uh, for them at that match in February. So I'm looking forward to that already. But before all that business, uh, we have a next match. Before an international break, we do go back into cup competition. Uh, this time we are playing London City. 
Uh, it will be Wednesday, November 18th. Uh, it will be 2.30 p.m. kickoff, UK time, 9.30 a.m. in the States. Um, tell me a little bit about the Lionesses. Um, is that the, is that the London City? Tell me a little bit about London City uh, and how they're, what their current form is and what you expect to see from this game. Well, I think, and as we mentioned before, and maybe it's just luck, every single time we've had like a bad game, we follow up the, with, with a team where we just know that we're going to score a lot of goals. And this is just one of those accidental encounters because London City actually haven't been playing as well. They've had a few good results, but not ever consistently. And their pattern seems to be that whenever they face a, a really good team or a team where we just know that the attack is going to be dominant, they really struggle defensively and they end up conceding quite a lot of goals. So um, there's every chance that this is going to be one of those games where we just kind of take the frustrations of everything that happened against Arsenal and we really pile it on. Yeah, you kind of look at the matches that they've had recently when they've played um, when they played WSL teams, and it hasn't gone well. Tottenham beat them for nothing. Uh, they did play Arsenal most recently, I believe, and Arsenal beat them for nothing, uh, scoring those goals. I believe three of them came in the first half, and, and they were all from Yedema. Yeah, she tore was... them, yeah, she tore them apart uh, and had four goals. So I don't think their job's going to get any easier easier against us, even though it will be sort of surprising uh, to see. Emma Hayes name a full strength squad. I'm expecting to see a lot of rotation in that match. So that may keep the scoreline down a little bit, but also, who knows? Emma Hayes may just feel like, all right, you guys cannot score goals. You cannot figure out how to play together. Fine. We're going to play competition that we know we're better than. And you just go out there and do it, score as much as you can and you want until I, until I pull you off. I don't really know what approach you'll go with, but um, I think either way, we're probably looking uh, at a Chelsea win. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I think pretty much. Um, but like you mentioned, if she doesn't rotate, I think it'll be interesting to see what she goes with up front, whether or not she sticks with Beth England or, or plays Sam Kerr from the start. Regardless of all that, I think that we definitely have enough firepower to get past London City. The interesting question is that that is followed up by an international break. And yeah. for some reason, whenever we come back from international breaks, we really kind of struggle to get into games. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be definitely interesting about, you know, trying to figure all that out and get back. I do wonder in this in this matchup against London City, if it's just going to be, you know, we have a, an impressive core of attackers, a lot of striking talent. It seems like all they really need to do is see the ball hit the back of the net I think that's all Sam Kerr needs to do I think the last time we saw her score a goal she almost looked relieved she doesn't she's she hasn't been the she has never she still hasn't done a backflip she still hasn't scored goals to the point where she scores them and she's ecstatic and she does her normal sprint and then starts gets into her routine to where she can do a backflip we haven't seen that when she scored it's almost been like oh finally and so maybe this is a match where you put her on you know, you give her 45 minutes and you say, get as many goals as you can, shoot from wherever you want to, you know, use your athleticism, use all your attacking talent and skill, get the ball in the back of the net because we need you for the second half run uh, when the season comes, gets back going. So I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm predicting a few goals. Um, I'm going to change my prediction from what I wrote, uh, what I put down in our our brief here. Um, but I think we're going to get a few goals. I think it's probably because we are going to get heavy rotation. And even if, if it's a strong lineup, I expect a lot of players to be substituted um, at least at halftime to give them a breast. So I'm going to go 4-0. That's going to be my prediction. What do you think? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm also expecting a lot of goals and also expecting a clean sheet just from the results that they have had against Arsenal and, and Spurs. Um, You know, I think if Spurs can do it, I think we definitely can. So I'm going with a 5-0 a scoreline. That's a fair point. I should probably knock on another goal for the simple fact that we are not Spurs. We're far <laughs> away from Spurs. And if Spurs can drop four on them, we, we should be able to at least double that. But I also want to respect our opponent and not look at that and say that we're going to not drop 10 on them. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, they will probably they will probably have seen the way that we played against Arsenal and they probably would assume that this is going to be a tough game for them. So it's likely that we'll just see them in, you know, in four banks of, of two and quite sort of narrow, compact pressing and, and a formation that ensures that we just don't score at any cost so it's going to be difficult but I think that I don't know how easy it is to retain that for the entire game I think they will, they will tie it out eventually and like you mentioned if we are making lots of subs we're going to have too many players that are too good to bring on for them to be able to hold out for 90 minutes absolutely so like you mentioned there is a international break we do come back into league play after that international break when we do we will be facing West Ham We'll also be facing Brighton, Tottenham again. And uh, those are the three teams we have left before we have that small winter break until we pick things back up with Reading uh, in January. And that's January 10th. But we will absolutely be back to cover both of those games or the new games against West Ham uh, and then Brighton. Uh, West Ham, when we come back from the international break, that will be December 6th. Uh, but we absolutely will preview that match and we'll get back into our regular um, flow then. Uh, so we will be looking for more from Chelsea. Uh, hopefully they use this international break and use this little miniature break to get the squad back into some sort of scoring form, whether they're scoring for their national teams or for Chelsea against London City. Um, we need goals. Goals. That's what we need. We need more goals. <laughs> we should have them. We shouldn't have to ask for them or do any chants, rain dances or whatever, but we'll do whatever we need to do because we need we need a deluge of goals if we're going to achieve our goals. Oh, wow. That was terrible. I didn't even mean that pun. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to end the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate and review the podcast. It helps us grow. It's a nice thing to do if you happen to like us in the breakdowns that we try to give you every week. We greatly appreciate it. If you do rate us, we don't really want to influence your assessment. But if you don't give us five stars, Fran Kirby will be very disappointed. She told us uh, as she's rehabbing, it just really helps her out. If you guys give us five stars, uh, gives her that bit more of confidence in her rehab. So uh, to get Fran Kirby back as quickly as possible, give us those five stars. Also, be sure to check out the Fran Kirby Fight Club shop. The link is in our bio on our Twitter account. Miriam's sister did a great job on our logo. And so we have some uh, a few things that you can uh, look at and and get if you want to support the pod that would be awesome uh so check that out obviously you can find our twitter account at fran kirby fc that is us thanks again for listening and we will talk to you next week Yeah.